I find it quite difficult to be that person in the spotlight, mm. but realizing that actually I do have influence and it would be a shame to waste it. Yeah. So yeah. really now trying to um, trying to to encourage other women to to feel that it is okay to not post those stupid photos mm. and actually to be okay just sharing things of meaning um and, and really kind of driving that agenda but then that also that goes alongside also giving women the opportunity to understand what their choices are at that moment of reinvention are they going to reinvent themselves into a pouty you know instagram person mm. which i to personally i don't think there's much more legs on it i kind of think the market's saturated and and we need a new model and i kind of hope what we're doing is a, is a better model Welcome to Screw It, Just Do It, the number one ranked entrepreneurship podcast for business owners, entrepreneurs, and those aspiring to be so. The aim of this show is to showcase the world's most inspiring and interesting people who've decided to screw it, just do it. We offer 20% inspiration and 80% education, giving you the tools and advice to start, grow, and scale a successful business. I'm your host, Alex Chisnell, fellow entrepreneur, podcast agency owner with a number one podcast and startup advisor to global startup generator and early stage VC, Antler. Each week, I release two episodes, a Q&A every Wednesday with one of the world's most inspiring figures, plus a solo episode every Saturday where I cover the challenges that all of us are facing as entrepreneurs. Welcome to episode 201 of Screw It, Just Do It. I'm Alex Chisnell. And on today's show, I welcome Fran Borman, voted the UK's top female influencer of 2019 by Global Woman. Fran is an award-winning entrepreneur, having built a multi-million pound business around her two young children, which became the fastest growing in its sector. Fran has gone on to support over a thousand individuals start their own businesses and become a key spokesperson for social enterprise, women in enterprise, mentoring and sports business in the UK. In this episode, Fran and I chat about the lessons business can take from sport, surrounding yourself with high achievers and fostering a mentoring culture where people want to work. I started up by asking Fran about receiving this award as a female top influencer of 2019. Let's start up. When I heard I'd been nominated, I was like, this is crazy because I was up against like these women with thousands of followers and mm. I'm, or millions of followers. And I'm going, well, that, but that's not who I am. And I spoke to the organization and they said, yes, but actually we've selected you because of, because um, I'd never even heard of them before, to be fair. But they said we'd selected you because of all this kind of um you know, because of what you're doing is so much more important and actually is really influential. Mm. So I wrote this blog post and, and the blog post went crazy. And what was it called um, again, so, Fran? Purpose? Uh, per, it was hashtag purpose over pouts. Over pouts, got you. Okay. Um, yeah. And, and <laughs> I'll, I'll send you a link to, to the um, to the blog. Mm. But that blog, obviously they can track where, because the, the final vote for the kind of the, the national winner was half a um, public vote and half a, uh, okay. a jury jury vote yeah so they'd all apparently I'd already done very well on the jury vote but the public vote just went bonkers because mm. people were reading that blog post sharing it and then according to them 
weekend, they could see where the traffic was coming from to the votes and all going to the votes for the for the thing. And people were just going, yeah, this is... So they weren't really voting for me. They were voting for a principle, which I prefer anyway, yeah, yeah. which was going, actually, we do need a change. So then yeah. when we went to the... Um, so they had the Global Women's Summit. And so rather than just say, well, let's just turn up and, you know, I had to go anyway um, to kind of receive the award. I was thinking, like, that's just not me going to like a glitzy dinner in London. So I got a big group of women together and 10 of us went and then we slept out rough straight after. So we uh, took sleeping that. bags. Yeah, okay. yeah. And then, and that got Anthea Turner got behind us. Nick Knowles got behind us. Um, so we got some really good publicity. So uh, it, it's really been on the back of that, me going, um, I, I find it quite difficult to be that person in the spotlight, mm. but realizing that actually I do have influence and it would be a shame to waste it. Yeah. So yeah. really now trying to, um, trying to, to encourage other women to, to feel that it is okay to not post those stupid photos mm. and actually to be okay just sharing things of meaning um, and, and really kind of driving that agenda. But then that also that goes alongside also giving women the opportunity to understand what their choices are at that moment of reinvention. Are they going to reinvent themselves into a pouty, you know, Instagram person, mm. which I to personally, I don't think there's much more legs on it. I kind of think the market's saturated and, and we need a new model. And I kind of hope what we're doing is a, is a better model. I'm always really interested being from a sporting background myself with people who've had success in a sporting world um, and then again in business. Um, can you tell me a little bit about your skiing background and any particular lessons that you think you've taken from that um, into the business world, Fran? Yeah, sure, Alex. So so my sporting skiing background actually came almost by chance. So as a child, my, my dad was an entrepreneur. He worked very hard and his only downtime um, really was skiing with us as a family. So we used to go away at holidays and ski. So it meant that I was put on these planks of wood at a very, very young age and um, don't even really remember learning to ski. It just kind of happened. I think I was first put on skis when I was about 18 months old. As soon as I could walk, I was on skis. Wow. And... Um, <laughs> And it was just a thing that we did. It was family time. It was a really nice thing that we did all together as a family. But then when I turned up at secondary school, my first day at secondary school, in my class was a girl that also skied in the same village as I did. And it was Shemi Alcott, who yes. eventually became a four times Olympic skier. And she was in my class at school and we sort of recognised each other. And she said, oh, come skiing with me after school. And I thought, well, that's bizarre because there's not any snow in southwest London. So so how does that happen? And I didn't even know it in, in those days that there were dry ski slopes in England. But we ended up going skiing together. And her mum, who was her mum and her dad, who were equally driven, had worked out with her already that her destiny was to be an, an Olympian. Mm. And to get there, she wasn't going to do it on her own. And I think in itself this is a really interesting lesson if you want to achieve anything you're never going to do it on your own mm. and to actually have the uh, motivation and have the opportunity to enter a team races she needed a team around her so her mum put a vast amount of effort into setting up a school ski team which obviously I was inducted into and we then began training almost on a daily basis um, at first it wasn't so much but it built up and we started going every day after school or in lunch breaks we'd be going into the sports hall and doing circuit training and so on and very quickly as a team we became 
became very, very good. Uh, again, another lesson you learned from, uh, I learned from this was when you surround yourself in a high performance environment. So with other people that are driving and performing mm. at a high level, it forces you to perform at a high level as well. So being in this environment, all of us began to ski better and better. And before we knew it, we were winning national championships. We were being inducted into the um, England school ski team. And, and it really just grew from there. So for me as a, as a teenager, when, when most teenagers were, were going through the usual, uh, you know, finding out about boys and things like that, mm. my life was focused on, on a ski slope. And it really taught me focus and drive and how to set a goal and how to go for it and how to work as a team. And when uh, skiing didn't work out for me, at a young age, I actually started to um, have several injuries that made right. it very evident that my body was never going to be able to cope, specifically the sport like skiing that was so high impact. Mm. The, the thought of pursuing that as a career was, was just not going to be possible. I think I took all that drive and that motivation and all those lessons and, and the next the next place for me to, to start focusing that was in business. Right. Yeah, you talk about like high impact. You see um, like what's happened with Lindsay Vaughn and like the injuries she's had um, yeah. over the years. It's like brutal, isn't it? Absolutely uh, brutal. Uh, and, 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 you know, seeing my friend, seeing Shemi go through through this over the years, yeah. you know, seeing her have metal rods in her legs and, mm. and um, some of the, the accidents that she's had had been so horrific. And you, you do it, you don't think about that when you're doing it because you love the sport so much and you're so focused and driven in it. But the risks in a sport such as skiing are, are immense. And and, um, but, but, you know, you do it cause you love it, which is what's important. Yeah. And do you, do you still ski now like recreationally or? I, yeah, I ski recreationally. I take my kids skiing. So they absolutely love it as well. They're, they're um, you know, are they naturals at it or is it just because I've got them started at a young age and, yeah. and they, they progress quickly through it, but they, they love it. And it's again, funny enough, I suppose I've reverted a little bit more to how my skiing journey started in the fact that it's very much a family time. It's one of the things mm. that we do together as a family, me and my children and we still go with my parents so they get to do it with their grandparents and nice. their aunts and uncles and it's a real real um family activity for us all yeah no it's it's our favorite it's like my favorite thing if i could be anywhere in the world for one minute of my life i would be on a snowboard um in the alps or in the states in the rockies something like that and um my kids started going now like weekly to the dry ski slope since we came back um and I think it's amazing to see the confidence, what they just like the instructors throw them into straight away. Like, yeah. okay, you can ski backwards on your first lesson, you know, and start doing 360s and stuff. And I suppose because I wasn't coaching them to do it, they just got on and did it. Whereas yeah. they'd normally like look at you and go, I'm not doing that. You're crazy, dad. Yeah. <laughs> and again, it goes to show it's that high performance environment, isn't it? And also having yeah. coaches and mentors around you that push you that little bit further than you would do in your natural comfort zone. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a great sport is such a great way for people to learn really the lessons of life. And I think that's why, um, you know, as, as a society, we love sport and we often, you know, sport, becomes such inspiration for so many areas of our lives mm, indeed and football being um the national sport um in england tell me about goal 17 as i understand that you're looking to help um end youth homelessness through football and know you're, you're a big advocate of using business to help solve social problems um it's probably one of the biggest if not the biggest um problem in the uk at the moment if not around the world um tell me a little bit more about your involvement there 
Yes, yeah, so so Goal Seventeen is is barely a year old, um, but it's a company that in its first year has made a massive impact. Within five months, we won the National Mentoring Awards, and uh, within eight months, we were featured in Forbes. So so it's been a company that's grown really really quickly and, and in a really exciting way. But the the football link with this is that um, we I was introduced to a former footballer, a guy called Keith Mabbott. He played for Gillingham. Gillingham, yeah, Gillingham, Millwall and Charlton, get it right. Yeah. <laughs> so he played for Gillingham, Millwall and Charlton. And they, um, and he has a very similar story to me. He fell out of the sport due to injury. Mm. So he nearly got his pro contract, got injured and then couldn't continue with the sport. And again, like me, converted the lessons of the sport into business. So we had a lot in common. Um, I wasn't very much into football as a sport at that point. But what Keith had developed was a really interesting concept where he took homeless 16 to 24 year olds and used football to help break down barriers and help them take those lessons from the football pitch and completely convert those into transforming their own lives and getting their lives back on track. So really, really interesting concept. Mm. And when Keith approached me with that concept, his challenges were that he didn't have a sustainable funding model for it and was in this sort of moment of where he'd, he'd built it to a really interesting stage, but it now needed to be grown and scaled. Yeah. And that's where I came in and introduced the concept of Goal 17. So what Goal 17 does is it says, well, it's fantastic having those lessons for those young people, but also what they need is some support. They need some coaching and mentoring. But there's so much more that we could do with this. And we could also bring in the corporate environment, not only to help fund that, but also so that corporate employees learned the lessons that these young people were learning and got the benefit from that as well. I see. Because it also offers the opportunity, as I understand, to develop, as you say, mentoring culture in a business itself and offer employees the opportunity to mentor a young person experiencing homelessness. Exactly. So really Goal 17 is a corporate training company. If you took the the young people out of it, what we do at our core is we go into companies that are committed to ensuring they have a robust future by making sure they have the best talent in their organisation. As I'm sure you probably know, Alex, we are heading into probably the most turbulent time in our workforce that we've ever seen. We're sort of worrying about AI and computers and robots taking over the workplace. But actually what's really happening at the moment is there's massive skill shortage. In the UK at the moment, we're short of 870,000 people. So there's 870,000 unfilled jobs as we speak wow. in the UK at the moment. And that's costing the UK economy around 6.3 billion a year. So for anyone that wants to grow a business, they're going to need talent. They're going to need people. And to do that, it's a more competitive environment than it's ever been to attract and retain the right people. Mm. And yeah, carry on, Fran. No, yes. Yeah, so, so what what we're doing with Goal Seventeen is saying to to attract and retain those people. What you need to do is have a culture that that makes people want to be there. And there are several facets to that. Firstly we've got younger generations coming in and their, their needs and desires of what they want from the workplace is very, very different to previous generations. Mm. Firstly, they want to know that they're working for a company that is doing more than just paying profits. They want to work for a company that's making a difference and that's really, really important to them. But also they what they want from their career is different. They want to work for a company that is invested in them and that has an interest in progressing them. So the real kind of linchpin in, in pulling this together is helping companies create a mentoring and coaching culture that ensures their people are going to want to stay with their organization and not move on. And that's what Goal 17 does is it goes into these companies. We 
partnered with um, the world leading university in this space to develop the content around mentoring and coaching. And this also comes from my past experience. So I have a business that I grew to be the fastest growing in its sector. It's a multi-million pound turnover business um, and, it, and has a team of over a thousand people all across the UK. And the reason that that became the fastest growing was because we developed an, a very unique, but very effective coaching and mentoring culture within that business. So taking that intellectual property of what we did in that business, we're now offering that to other corporates. So they can also do that to engage and retain the best staff. But the, the key, and this is where the football bit comes back in, the key part to this to make this work is people don't want to practice being a mentor in their workplace because if they get it wrong, they lose face. Mm. So where there are companies that are trying to set up this kind of culture, they find that they hit a brick wall because people love it. They love the theory, but they never actually implement it. So we needed a really good practical environment for people to learn how to become effective mentors and coaches. And of course, we have that environment when we go into supporting these homeless young people. So we match each of our corporate trainees with a homeless young person. So they get to cement their learning. And of course, at the same time, they're genuinely giving back, helping another person transform their lives and have a really empowering experience that gives them the confidence to actually go go back into the workplace and implement this. Mm. And I'm assuming, you know, football's um, how you put this, you know, the one of the catalysts putting this together, but essentially you could use this in any sports. Yeah, I mean, any sport would work and I'm sure there will be a time when we through goal 17 will explore other sports football has some great advantages though because a is the number one global sport but also it's a complete leveler it really doesn't yeah. matter if you're the CEO of a massive multinational company or a homeless young person when we take you to a Premier League football club stadium get you on the sidelines of the pitch and you're in this kind of amazing environment it doesn't matter who you are, your yeah. equals, your level. And that's why I've absolutely loved working and through Goal 17 and the Street Soccer Foundation, who's our charity partner, we work with Premier League football clubs. We work with all sorts of amazing influences in the football sphere. And, and the great thing about that sport is it just brings everybody together. Mm. And assuming you're not working with Bournemouth uh football club uh, we, we we're not at the moment we we've had a, a such an amazing uptake from pretty much all the premier league pre, uh, football clubs okay. plus many of the efl football clubs are very interested in working with us mm. i'm the slight party people when it comes to the football clubs because whilst we want to work with all of them we're scaling it um, and this is a great lesson for business as well in terms of growing a business we could easily do partnerships with every club straight away right but would we be able to effective, effectively deliver at a high quality with each of them mm. if we did it all at once? So what we're doing is that we're actually gradually um, scaling our our, um, our influence. So we started, we, we've picked it geographically. So we started with West Ham in the south. Uh, we've now launched Liverpool up in yeah. the north. And next we're going into the Midlands. So we're working with Wolverhampton and um, I'm sure we'll be working with Leicester City quite soon as well. So again, nice. we're scaling that impact. Um, and then we'll probably move back down to the south again and we'll start working with some of the other clubs uh, I know we're going over to Brighton quite soon so again looking okay. at um, 
these clubs, we've got something that really helps them and helps them with their impact. It helps engage the business community in what they're doing. um, And it also helps people in those cities um, and helps people actually make a genuine impact and difference in the cities where these clubs are located. Mm. Have you heard of, um, again, I'll edit this out, but have you heard of uh, Change Please Coffee and Jamal Ezel? Um, I've I've heard the name, but remind me. Uh, Yeah, so Jamal... um, initially applied for a virgin startup loan um the change please essentially help tries to solve the problem of homelessness by um retraining homeless people as baristas um and then they have like their coffee wagon but it basically gives them a you know a living wage a roof over their head a checkbook access to to counseling etc um but he started with a twenty five thousand pound virgin startup loan um Mm. and through connecting him um this month his coffee now goes out will be the coffee of choice on all virgin atlantic aircraft throughout the world fantastic Um, so that's taken me a year but it's like a again passion project um he he was just out in la on a stage with richard announcing it um first office in australia um but yeah just another way to try and solve you know that problem but it's a it's, it's a great story um like richard flew him out to necker for for mentoring never wanted to miss an opportunity obviously for publicity Absolutely. Um, <laughs> but, but he introduced him on on the island at the time happened to be george clooney who said um you need to speak to my wife um i've forgotten her first name but the international lawyer um she's really well connected to the mayor of new york and they've got a real problem with homelessness so jamal met with um george clooney's wife who then introduced him to the mayor of new york mayor of new york said i love this idea um you can have like all nine boroughs of New York um, for your to, to help solve the problem. But you really want to speak, speak to my friend. He's the mayor of San Francisco. They've got an even bigger problem with homelessness. <laughs> so Amazing. this story has just uh, gone on and on and on. But um, well, and, and I guess this is and it's a really interesting point because I think we look at issues like homelessness and we want. Our natural reaction is let's use charity. Now, my whole life's mission, Alex, is to re-educate the world that business for good is good for business. Because my belief is that if we keep using charity, charity is has a limit on how much money is ever going to be available, how much resource, how much time is ever going to be available in that space. What's completely scalable is business. Business is a completely scalable asset. So if you can build a business, you are you have something then that you can grow to whatever size you want to impact an issue. And I really, one of the things that I want to do with Goal 17 is create a case study of how we have used a social problem to create a business, but then how we've used a business to solve a social problem. So it's actually, everybody is working together. So as to, to put it, I suppose, in in really clear terms, our Goal 17 mentor training program, without helping these homeless young people, it's okay, right? It does a decent job. But once you add in the support of the homeless young people, it is a much better, much more effective product. It gives a much better commercial return on investment for our clients because the training they get is so much better. So actually, 
solving the social issue creates a more commercial result. And that's what I want to try and re-educate around is that when we start looking at social issues and, and environmental problems and stop looking at them as problems, but start looking at them as opportunities to do something different and make an improvement, that's when that's when we'll start making real strides forward. I love it. That's absolutely brilliant. And you've actually answered the last question that I actually had for you, which was teeing you up to actually say that. So thank you very much for reading <laughs> my mind. Um, no problems. And um, bringing this back to Festival of Enterprise, yes. um, how best can people uh, connect with you after seeing you and hearing you speak in Birmingham at the NEC on Thursday, the 24th of October? Well, yeah, please do connect. I am on all social platforms, of course. So I'm on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and very simply on all of them, I'm at Fran B Global. So F-R-A-N-B-G-L-O-B-A-L. Um, so if you connect with me on social platforms, that's fantastic. It'd be great to connect with people. Um, I, as well as running my business, which is very much a B2B business, um, I also invest a huge amount of my time and effort in supporting other people that want to grow businesses as well. So often through my social platforms, I'm sharing any insights or lessons that I'm learning or thoughts to try and help others that want to grow business to, to influence them, to do things better, to influence them, to become better entrepreneurs purely through simple business lessons, but also a lot of the time through actually thinking differently and, and helping people think bigger, I hope is, is what we achieve through a lot of the content that we share. Fran seemed to be one of those people who seems to have crammed a lot into a relatively short life at uh, at this point in time. Uh, really enjoyed chatting to her and um, when I chatted to her, it was um, on the cusp of the Festival of Enterprise back at the NEC in October. Unfortunately, she was ill and she never made it, so I never got to meet her, but I would um, hopefully... Well, I would love to meet up with her um, in 2020, um, and I hope that happens. I hope um, she can maybe join us at the uh, Olympia um, this April for the Festival of Enterprise. So number of things. Um, the lessons business can take from sports. Um, as you know, I'm massively into my sport, my health, my fitness, uh, and I think there are so many different lessons um, be that if you've come from a sport that um, was a team sport or or whether that was um, uh, an individual sport, I think you can take you know different lessons from both. Um, the focus, the drive, the will to succeed, um, goal setting, um, lots of different lessons um, that you can take from each. So I'm, I'm sure many of you listening come from a similar background or still active in sport like I am as well um, and can take those lessons that you learned and um, put them straight into making your business the success that you want it to be. Um, surrounding yourself with high achievers, um, that is something that has grown what I've done um, exponentially over the last couple of years as my network has grown from hosting this podcast, from hosting live events. Likewise, my network has grown unbelievably. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's no coincidence that um, the success 
that I personally have, especially had over the last year, um, can directly be taken from the fact that I've gone from, you know, a mentor who um, maybe had a six-figure business to to now, uh, you know, a mentor who's um, sold a business for 150 million pounds, you know, um, and, and the lessons they can pass on. Um, now, having moved into the space of creating podcasts with people, I'd really like to realign um, my mentoring with someone who's a couple of years ahead of where I want to be in, in that space and also as a as a podcaster as well. So um, not many in the UK who've got to where I want to be there, so maybe I need to look further afield. But um, if you're not already doing that, if you're not already surrounding yourself with, with high achievers, um, then that's something that you need to be doing in 2020 if you want to get to where you want to be. Um, lastly, fostering a mentoring culture where people want to work. Um, really interesting what she's doing, uh, what Fran's doing in that space. Makes total sense. Um, if you are an organization, you know, if you have a business where you are, um, you're now employing people that you've got people within that organization who can mentor those who, who are coming in, um, be that at a young age or very relatively little experience um, and be able to help them, you know, reach their goals um, and pass on the lessons that you've learned as well. Um, it's just a total no brainer, isn't it? And, and increasingly, um, as we're told, you know, millennials, generation um, Z are, are looking um, for organizations where it's not necessarily the most amount of money that they can earn, but there are other benefits. You want to work with somewhere that has purpose, um, that thinks, looks after the staff. So, you know, it's a no brainer, isn't it? Um, huge thanks to Fran and um, look forward to the next episode. Thanks for listening. If you found value in this free podcast, all I ask is that you tell somebody else about it. You don't have to leave a review or write a post on social tagging me in the screw it, just do it hashtag. But if you do, I promise to give you a shout out on a future episode and you have my eternal thanks. I'm at Alex Chisnell on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook, plus at Alexander Chisnell on Instagram. Alongside the Screw It, Just Do It Facebook page, this houses the Screw It, Just Do It community and has the most up-to-date information on all things Screw It, Just Do It, including all of our live events. I love hearing from you. If you either message me on LinkedIn or email alex at screwitjustdoit.org, I promise to reply. Just give me a little time. <laughs>